0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but he must be able to teach. He must be patient. Uh, It says gentle to all. And so, if you're here and you say, I want to be a servant of the Lord, then check yourself on these things. Are you able to be gentle to people? Are you patient with somebody that's opposing you? Because again, everybody opposing you is not a lost cause. Some of them are opposing you because they really don't know. And so you gotta patiently answer them and not participate. You don't want to be the one that brings it into the an argumentative space. You want to keep it peaceful.
0: Some non-believers will oppose you, question you, and wonder at the message you speak about God. Without the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, it's hard for them to understand the message of the gospel. Today. Pastor Bill will encourage you to patiently, gently teach God's truth. This requires great humility, but the payoff is great glory to God. The goal is to bring people the truth of the gospel. And if you can gently guide people to that, you can be a part of someone coming to salvation. What a privilege. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter two, for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: In my house, there's a lot of things that are shared. But my toothbrush is just mine. I don't expect to come in and see somebody else, much as I love all my family. I don't expect to come in and see somebody bumping their gums with my toothbrush. I'd be, that's my toothbrush. That's a, it's kind of personal. Um, you know, there are things that are that's, that's set apart for me, by me, just for me. That's, that's my toothbrush. There are other things of the sort. When I was in high school, I just, I'll never forget this. It scarred me. But I came home one day, and my sister had taken my boxers and was wearing them. She was in the house. And, and I remember just looking like, no, 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 no. And I can't take them off her right there, but I'm like, no, no, everywhere. No, that's, that is, those are special. Those are just for me. Those go on my bottom only. You know, it was, I felt so violated. Those are, those are just for my use. Not that I don't want to share underwear with anybody ever in my life. And so God says, I, I, I don't want to share you. I want you to be set apart by me and for me. That's why he says, look, if you're going to be a vessel for honor for me, right? If I'm going to set you apart from my use, you need to depart from some things. You need to depart from iniquity. You need to depart from sin. You need to depart from those things that would end up bringing dishonor. And then I'll set you apart. And so I'd ask you all to consider here, is there any sin in your life that you're aware of that would keep you from being someone God can say, I'm going to set you apart for my use? Is there any life dominating sin? Is there any sin and secret that's a hindrance between you and the Lord? Is there anything there that God would say, I want you to depart from that? Um, because as you depart from the latter, God also said, you'll be sanctified. You'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart by me, for me. God wants exclusive rights, exclusive use of your life. Then it says you'll be useful to the master. Who doesn't want to be useful to the master? I want to be useful to the master. Um, but God says, you got to come a certain kind of way. Everybody's not going to be useful to me. But you could be sanctified, set apart by God for God. You could be useful to the master. The third thing it says, prepared for every good work. God says, I'll prepare you for every good work. That's, this is awesome to me. God doesn't just say, I'm going to throw you out there. I'll prepare you for every good work. I'll set you apart. You'll be useful in my hands. And I'll prepare you for the things I'm going to send you to do. I'll, I'll make sure you're ready for whatever I call you to do, whatever I prepare you for every good work. Those are all the things God says he'll do if we just cleanse ourselves. We just cut out whatever would have been a hindrance in our life. And then he gives Timothy some instruction on what to flee and what what to pursue. He says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, again, Timothy's probably in his 30s, but in that time, that's considered a young man. And it says, Timothy, flee you for lust. Run away from the the lust. The things that people are going after that are not of me, Um, run away from those things. There's some stuff that God would say, flee. Um, Not casually like, I'm going to just try to get away a little bit. Um, Anybody here ever been ran from something you were afraid of? Um, It just mean you were afraid and you ran. I mean, that's what it is. The flee is not a it's not a leisurely like, okay, well, maybe I won't go there this time. Fleeing is, it's, it's a, there's panic involved. There's, it's intense. There's panic. It, it'd be like if, if you walked out here in the parking lot and you saw just some big old dog or something coming. One night when we were in our, our old house, uh, I came up to my house at night. I parked. And as I got out and I'm walking to my door, I see this big white, I don't know if it was a bulldog. It was a uh, full size, like an American bulldog, but it was running down the street. I don't know the dog. I don't know whose it is, but it was big. I, I, I looked at I looked at my door and I looked at my car. I was closer back to my car. Ran back to my car and chirped it and, and sat back in my car. And I'm looking out the window, and now the dog is there, looking like, you know. You got, later on, I find out the dog is friendly, and then some kids down the street owned it. But I fleed. I didn't. Jo- I didn't walk back to my car at leisure. I, I booked. I mean, it. You know. I ran. I run back to my car and I got in it and waited till that thing was gone because I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what it was or what it was going to do. And so when he tells Timothy, flee youthful lust. Think about the things that, again, people lust after and they go after the lust of you. God says flee from that, man, run from it. Um, Don't participate in it. Don't hang around it. Run away from it. Then he says this. It's not enough for the believer to get away from bad. He said, but pursue what's good. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And then he says who to pursue it with, with other people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so it does matter to God who you hang out with. Um, What I've seen over the years, one of the biggest hindrances to individual spiritual growth is that they stay connected to people that are spiritually dead. And maybe you have relationships. Well, I grew up with them. I've known them since we were friends. Good, be a witness to them. But there comes a point where you got to pull away. Um, if you want to write these verses down, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, God warns, he says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character, good morals. Evil company corrupts good morals. God says, look, don't be deceived into thinking you can hang out with people that are living wrong and, and not rub off on you. You hang out long enough with the wrong people, your language will mess up. You'd be like, man, I don't even talk like that. But now I'm talking like that. I don't usually think like that. Now I'm thinking like that. I don't usually consume that. Now I have not consume some of that. You're hanging out with the wrong people. And so God says, don't be deceived. Be careful who you hang out with. Don't just not hang out with bad people. God says, find you some people that are calling on me out of a pure heart. You guys will burn together. Anybody here that's got good fellowship in your life, you got people that you hang out with that love the Lord, they, you, you fellowship with them a little bit and you feel pushed. I got people that I talk to and I hang out with. I get done, I feel like doing more. I feel like, man, God just, I feel stirred up in God through the interaction, through the fellowship, through the hanging out. Nobody was, it wasn't something we got on each other's case. It wasn't that we, we challenged one another. We just fellowship. We talked about God. We talked about what God's doing in my life and his life and back and forth. And I get off the phone or I get out, out of that interaction. I just, man, I want to I wanna go further. It's just, it has a positive impact on my walk with the Lord. God says, find them people. And when you identify those people, that's who you choose. When you got choices, you don't get to choose who you work with. You don't get to choose who you sit next to at school. But when you decide who you're going to hang out with in your leisure, find you some people that are good for you, that love the Lord. God says, pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Find you some people like not just some people that go to church, too, because everybody here knows some people that go to church, too, that ain't about nothing either. So find you some people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart, their sincerity in their heart as they call out to the Lord. And God says, get together with them. Hang out with them, Timothy. It's going to be important as you serve me and live for me. Who you hang out with is going to be a big deal. I found that to be true in my life that it's a big deal who my friends are, who I who I hang out with, who I spend my leisure time with. It does matter. It does matter. There are people that I just can't hang out. You know, I, I can't participate in those things over here or whatever. Um, so, not saying that we don't interact with non-believers, but if I do, I'm I'm there to be a witness. If I'm going to hang out with my friends that don't know the Lord, I'm hanging out to be a witness. I'm on a mission. I'm not taking in. I'm not soaking it up. I'm I'm on a mission when I'm hanging out. Um, But I do have people that I look to for. This is my this is who I fellowship with. And so there's lots of verses on that. um, You know, and I just Paul's telling Timothy, I'm telling you, uh, be careful who you hang out with. If you got people that, you know, are bringing you down, um, it would it may be very difficult, but you need to cut those things. If you realize every time I hang out with this person, I fall. Every time I get in touch with them, I end up messing up. I end up, I get, I get dripped. I get, I get dragged out into something I knew I didn't belong in. Then at some point you got to make the call to say, I'm not going to do it no more. I'm going to cut that relationship. I'm going to cut that friendship. Um, maybe one day you'll be strong enough to go back and be a witness to them. But not, if, it's, if you're not there right now, it'd be healthy to break that off and just let the Lord be your strength. Uh, a couple other scriptures, Proverbs twelve twenty six and Proverbs thirteen twenty. The Proverbs thirteen twenty. The uh, he who walks a wise man will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And then Proverbs twelve twenty-six says the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked will lead him astray. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, he says, For the way of the wicked will, not might will lead him astray. And so carefully choose your friends. And so moving on. Um, Now he speaks to him again, just reminding Timothy, because when you stand for the truth, the, the truth is always going to be getting challenged. And so Paul's instructing Timothy throughout this letter, how to handle those that are going to oppose him, how to handle those that are going to come against him. I would say this, anybody that's really standing for Christ, representing the Lord, sharing the gospel, it is not possible that you're going to do that and not come against opposition, not come against people that disagree. In the midst of that, there are people that every disagreement is not a bad situation. Some people disagree because they don't know better. And so it's going to be your opportunity to teach, to explain. Um, and so he's going to tell Timothy, Hey, how, how do you do that? You want to do it in a certain kind of way. You want to be gentle with them and explain to them. And so look at what he says now. He says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So first of all, he said, like he said earlier, avoid, you know, just getting wrapped up in foolish, ignorant disputes. You know, I had a guy, I, I taught a Bible study for an Arabic youth group and I had a dad sat in the back and he just sat there and he had this, this look on his face the whole time. And it looked like he had this deep, deep question for me. He waited for me to finish talking to kids and praying with kids. And he came up and said, I got a question for you. And I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm ready for this heavy question. He says, you know, do you, could God make a rock so big that he couldn't move it? I said, and then I, I just probably spoke too fast. I said, Are you serious? That's a stupid question. Like, that's, I, it's a, You know, it, it's, a, it's really a stupid question. I'm like, so you you sat there through the whole Bible study and that's what you you came to ask. I didn't talk about a rock. I mean, wh- where did that come from? I'm not answering that question. It's a dumb question. You know, I'm not going to get caught up in something like that. Could God make a rock so big? So it, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if I can answer it. Right. It's like it's like. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if it's a Bible version of something stupid like that? I'm not answering that for you, you know? Um, Paul says, just avoid foolish ignorant disputes. That's not going anywhere. No one's going to get saved by the answer of that question. No one's going to love God more if you answer that. So just tell them, I'm not answering that, man. Goodbye. i Don't talk to the kids. The kids have better questions than you, you know? And so Paul says, Timothy, just be discerning, man. No, don't get wrapped up in something like that. Because some people feel like they got to give an answer. Well, you know, uh, on, on this side of the equation, God, but over here and, and you be out there for 30 minutes and there's some kid over here saying like, I need I need prayer. You over there talking about God and rocks. You know, I'm going to tell this guy, you keep you keep it moving. I'm going to go over here with people at legitimate needs. That, that, that's one of Satan's tactics, you guys. Satan can have you all wrapped up over here in what doesn't matter so that you're not available to be right here doing what really does matter. And so you got to know the difference when you realize that's foolish. That's ignorant. That's not going anywhere. I'm not caught up there. You'll find that you're freer and more available for that legitimate question that comes. That person that says, I was thinking about, you know, I heard this on the radio. or I saw this movie and it made me think about this. Do you know the Bible say anything about X, Y and Z? And you got somebody there that's like just fruit hanging off a tree and and you can start talking to them. And um, this happened last week. I had a guy doing some work at my house and. Um, I was trying to share with him a little bit and then I wasn't getting anywhere. And I found out later that he's kind of a joker, you know, so and he ends up being a believer. I find out later. But I'm asking him, I said, oh, my wife's coming later on. And he says, OK, his son is there that day. And the guy says, "Do I have three wives. I'm like, no, you don't. You know, I have three wives. No, I have three wives. Yeah." Ask my son. So I asked his son, does he have three? wives?" Yes, he had three wives. So I'm like, what do I say? <laughs> I, mean, I haven't even got the gospel. I'm like, OK, you got three wives. I said, that's. I got one wife, you know, and um, and so I'm trying to have this conversation with the guy. And it's like he's just throwing jokes at me, you know, and um, and but he I don't know him well enough to know it's a joke. So I'm like, he says, yeah, in my country, I have three wives. I says, maybe maybe he really got three wives, you know, and so I don't really know how to answer him. And I just kind of let that go. And we end up later on in the bathroom working and his son is there. and I'm talking to the son and the son has all these legitimate questions. I mean, he was sincerely if I ever met a seeker, I met a seeker in this kid and he just had these questions and I would answer him. And he's like, oh, and he just they were just he was just there. And we had this, this ongoing conversation about the Lord. I get done talking to the son. He walks out and the dad says, I'm a I'm a Christian, too. I gave my life to the I just came back to the Lord this many years ago. And he shared his whole testimony with me. And I'm like, so the guy is a real he's really a Christian, really gave his life to the Lord. I'm like, so what's this about three wives? He said, I, I, was, I was kind of messing with you. He said, I, I've been divorced three times. So I <laughs> said, right now I'm single. I said, OK, so you had three wives at three different times are very different than having three wives. I said, you know, he got me or whatever. And um, we end up with a, it was a great, great, you know, interaction as, as the week would progress. Um, but I realized I, I didn't know what to say to that. You know, I got three wives. I'm going to just talk to this kid. This kid had sincere honest, you know, awesome questions and we're talking. So I was, I'm going to go ahead and focus on this guy over here. And um, lo and behold, these guys end up being Christians. And, and, and I had a blessed week, you know, with these guys in my house. And so um, Paul says, man, avoid those ignorant, foolish disputes, man, knowing that they just generate strife. They're not going anywhere. They're just going to be having you arguing with folk. You don't want to be doing that. Verse 24. Now, if you serve God, this is uh, this deals with our character and our, our, our how we deal with difficulty. Listen what it says. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So uh, first is that, look, if you're a servant of the Lord, you, you can't be an argumentative dude. Um, if you're argumentative, if that's your if that's your natural thing, when you get into discussions, if you just you get you find that you get all riled up, you're arguing. God says, no, no, you can't be like that. You got to bring that. You got to get rid of that. Calm down. A servant of the Lord, it says, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. And that's kind of what it takes. If you're going to be talking to people, you're going to get challenged, and everybody else—they're not saved yet. The rules don't apply to them; they apply to you. So they might be coming at you sideways. Well, what about this? Well, I'm going to tell you about. You can't nope. You can't do that. They might hit you with that. Now you got to bring it down. So, okay, I'm going to your question. This is what it says. You got to bring it back down for him. So. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but he must be able to teach and he must be patient. Uh, it says gentle to all. And so um, if you're here and you say, I want to be a servant of the Lord and check yourself on these things. Are you able to be gentle to people? Can you be patient with somebody that's opposing you? Because, again, everybody opposing you is not a lost cause. Some of them are opposing you because they really don't know. Um, and so you got to patiently answer them and, and not participate. You don't want to be the one that brings it into the, an argumentative space. You want to keep it peaceful as as much as you can. And so serving the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. And it says in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. That's a big thing. It's in humility. Not, you can't be proud that you know the truth and they don't. I met Christians like that. They're proud that they know the truth. And God says, you got to in humility, bring that down a notch. What you proud of? God, God blessed. God helped you come to a knowledge of the truth. Now that you know it, you want to come down and be humble because you didn't you didn't used to know it. Right. Sometimes it's healthy for me when I'm dealing with a non-believer is to remember when I was a nonbeliever. And then I just think back to how lost I was, how blind I was, how much I didn't understand all that I know now and how I might have received what I'm saying. And it just gives me some perspective so that I can I can just deal um, that I don't take it personal. I don't get my little feelings all hooked because somebody disagree with me. But you just you just patient and gentle and and talk to them. So and we're all different. So some people are naturally kind of calm and can do that. And some of us are really excitable. And so if you find that that's how you are, then you got to work on that so you can keep it down. I find that if people take it way up, um, if I don't watch myself, I'll join them. I'll just be like, well, I just I'll be right there with them. And God's like, what are you doing? Bring it back down, brother, Bill, you know, like, so we got to be, we got to all be careful, know who you are, know your disposition. The goal is this, that you're going to help someone come to the truth. So I want to do it in such a way. What's the best way to do it? God's telling us here in gentleness in humility with patience. If the goal is to help them come to a knowledge of the truth, then God's telling us here, this is how you do it. And so moving on, it says in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. And so again, that's the goal is that, man, if I do this right, I might be the person that God uses to help bring this person to a place of repentance. That's why I'm gonna die to myself. That's why I'm gonna be patient. That's why I'm gonna be gentle. That's why I'm gonna endure maybe some yelling at me or some opposition, opposing questions, because maybe I get to be the one to walk them into the light. Maybe I get to be the one to walk them into the kingdom. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if I hung in there just long enough to get them in? Didn't get caught up in an argument. And for you guys that come to this church, you guys have heard it over and over again, the guy that led me to the Lord, I gave him the business. I argued with him every single time and he hung in there with me until I got saved. I'm so glad that he didn't write me off, that he didn't say, forget it, you know, whatever. Um, he hung in there long enough. He didn't argue back with me. He was patient with me. Um, and he was a brand new believer himself, but he got me to a point where I could know the truth and I'm thankful for that we have the opportunity to be that for other people. Last uh, couple sentences here, it says, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so consider that as you deal with a non-believer and all their lostness and all their arguments and all their stuff, God says, look, recognize that some of them, they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. They're ensnared by Satan. And so as much as they're, participating in whatever the sins are. They're also victims at the same time. God is saying, look, I want you to, I want I want you to, re- we're, on a, we're on a, we're on a rescue mission. They need help. You have the truth. God says, I want you to reach out. I want you to be the ones to help bring them to the truth. And so it's worth it. It's a worthy battle. It's a worthy fight. Anyone here that's ever led someone else to Christ, it's one of the best, especially if you get to see them go in the Lord. If you've been privileged to see somebody, I saw them get saved. And I watched them disciple and I watch them grow. Now I'm seeing them serve God somewhere. It's a wonderful thing to watch it happen, to see it take place. Maybe some of you have seen it with your own kids. Maybe some of us have seen it in people that God has brought into your life, that you've led them to the Lord. Um, it's a wonderful thing to have been a part of the process. Maybe you sowed, maybe you watered, maybe you caught them when they were falling off the tree already and, and you, you walked them from that point. At whatever point God lets you be involved, how cool is it that we got to be a part of this process? And so as Paul is ministering to Timothy here, you have to come about this a certain way. Don't get caught up in foolish disputes. But as you get some real, you know, opposition and questions, is it gentleness, humility, uh, patient, answering them with all these different things that you might help them. You might help them come to a knowledge of the truth. And so I know that God wants to use us. I believe that every day, you guys, um, as you just go anywhere you go, you're going to see more non-believers and believers. That's just the way the world breaks down. Everywhere I go, there are people that don't know God yet. And so God wants to use us to be those that are sharing his truth, sharing the light and humility and impatience with all of them. So as we wrap this up, just two things in closing. One, we looked at the comparison within the great house, vessels of honor, uh, gold and silver, vessels of dishonor. And we're challenged to consider which are we? Um, That you can look at your life and Today, recognize, God, does my life bring you honor and glory? Or are there attributes about my life, things that I'm doing in my life that actually bring you dishonor and they they, they steal from your glory? If you recognize that, you know what, I do see in my life that I do not bring honor to God. God, my life brings dishonor. Um, This is not a chance. This is not a time to put you down. But if you can acknowledge that, you have the opportunity today to repent, say, God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for being, whatever I've done that bring you, forgive me for that, Lord, help me, help me. Help me, I'm gonna repent today and let the Lord help you to live different. Let the Lord help you as you walk in repentance that you could be a vessel for honor. You could be someone that brings honor and glory to him. If you find that you're one that, you know what? God's glorified through your life. May whatever you're doing, continue. I encourage you to keep it moving. Keep, Keep going in that direction that God's shining. God's being glorified through your life. May he continue to receive glory and honor because he deserves it. And lastly, um, that we would all check our, our character. Um, God wants to do a great work through us. He wants us to be set, set apart, useful to him, prepared for every good work. But he says, you got to cleanse yourself of the things that would get in the way. If there's anything that you know of in your life that is getting in God's way, again, opportunity today to repent from it. Say, God, I'm, I'm going to confess it. I'm going to repent of it. I'm going to leave you here today that you might have your way in my life because God doesn't want to share you. He exclusive rights to your life. He you deserves it.
0: That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. These words, though written long ago, are still applicable to your life today. We hope you learned something new about your relationship to God and your purpose in living for Him here on earth and that you are eager to continue seeking Him. If you missed part of today's teaching or if you'd like to hear more from this Second Timothy study, visit calvaryinglewood.org. You'll find all of Pastor Bill's messages there. Plus more information about this ministry. How can we be praying for you? Walking with the Lord is never easy, but you don't have to carry the load yourself. Let us support you through prayer. Give us a call or send a text to 310 245 4811. That's 310 245 4811. Or you can fill out the contact form on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. We'd like to invite you to worship with us this weekend too, right here at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to watch our message. That website, again, is CalvaryEnglewood.org. Thanks for spending time in the Word, and feel free to read ahead in 2 Timothy. Then be sure to join Pastor Bill next time, right here on The Transforming Word.